Oh, about a couple months, I guess, after Rebecca and I had gotten married. We got a, a letter in the mail that said, Congratulations, you have won a free honeymoon. We had such a great time on the one we paid for. I was like, cool, somebody wants to give us a free one? Well, that's pretty awesome. And and so we continued to read the letter, and it said all you had to do to claim this was come to a hotel in Oxford, Alabama on this particular date at this particular time, and all that you would have to do is sit through a presentation of the world's greatest cookware Don't worry, you're not obligated to buy anything. This free honeymoon will be yours. And so, of course, being young as we were, went, Oxford is not that far, okay? And so we went. And and I remember the two of us talking, going in, and saying, we're not going to buy anything, right? No, not at all. Long story short, we're still using the cookware, Okay, and we never went on the free honeymoon. They were really good at selling the cookware. I mean, they presented this cookware as though it was going to be the last cookware that we would ever, ever have to buy. And so far, we haven't bought any more, but that's mainly because it took us about the first two or three years of our marriage to like pay off the cookware that's supposed to last us a lifetime. And as far as that free honeymoon went, would you believe it? There were the strangest strings attached. Basically, it was, you can go to two or three destinations. We'll pay for two or three nights in the hotel. They're hotels of our choice, not your choice. You must provide all airfare, travel, meals, and everything else. But we'll pay for a couple nights of the hotel that we pick for you. So we never went on that free honeymoon. You see, all of us in this life, from time to time, we get fooled. Sometimes it's moments like that where we just get scammed. We, we just think there's some really cool thing that's going to happen, and it just doesn't come to fruition. And maybe sometimes people in this life, they paint something with a, a certain brush stroke or a certain picture to make us think that we're going to get something really awesome, and, well, they're really just leading us on, right? Because they're, they're wanting to fool us. But then much bigger and much more traumatic and, and something we should be much more weary of. It's not those scams, it's when Satan tries to fool us, as he does all of us from day to day. As we've seen in this short sermon series, Satan is the deceiver of the whole world. I'm not trying to use this short sermon series to cause you greater anxiety when it comes to Satan. But what I am attempting to do is get us to become aware of Satan. I think the reason why he's so good at what he does is we don't think about him enough. We, we like to try to push him to the back of our mind. We like to assume that he is nothing more than a fictional character. Maybe he's just a symbol of evil. We don't want to believe that he's real. And when we begin to believe the lie that he has fed us, <laughs> that he's not real, man, that's when we really start to let our guards down. And that's when we find ourselves giving in to so many of the lies that he shares. This is one of the lies that he is so good at telling. He says, God just wants you to be happy. Sounds nice, doesn't it? That's very appealing. 
And now listen, before we really dissect the lie, I think it's important to point out here that if, if your mindset of God is that God is some great big police officer in the sky who's just watching you and waiting for you to mess up so he can like drop the hammer on you, that is not who God is. Did you know? Did you know that God rejoices over you? Did you know that? Did you know that Scripture tells us that, that we are to be a people of joy and the reason we're to be a people of joy is because God is a God of joy. If we go back to the Old Testament, Zephaniah 3 and verse 17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Now think about that. As we were lifting up our voices just a few moments ago, praising God in song, He sings with loudness over us. It brings Him gladness. Nehemiah says in Nehemiah 8 and verse 10, He said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. When we're down. When, when we're struggling. When we're having those, those days where we really don't know what to do next. And, and we are surrounded by so many problems of this life. We should be a people who find our joy in God. Because the joy of the Lord is the very thing that will strengthen us in our weaknesses. The joy of the Lord is the very thing that provides hope when we feel so hopeless. The joy of the Lord is that which gives us light when it feels as though the world around us could not get any darker. Think about Jesus for just a moment. He was God in the flesh. Why were people drawn to Him? There's a lot of reasons why people were drawn to Him. But I'm going to tell you one of the reasons that people were drawn to Jesus was because He was the embodiment of God in the flesh. Therefore, He was full of joy. Jesus was not a miserable person walking planet earth. If Jesus were a miserable person the way some of us are miserable people, others would not have been drawn to Him. How do I know that? Well, I can just kind of put two and two together here and say, how many of us have ever woke up one morning and said, you know what, today I can't wait to spend some time with those so-and-so because they are always so pessimistic, so negative, so depressed, and so angry. Man, I'm looking forward to hanging out with them today. We don't do that. And if you don't have many friends, hmm, <laughs> maybe there's a reason. There was this joy that Jesus exuded. This, this hopefulness that made people draw near to Him. A joy that we too should and could have because we're supposed to be a reflection of God the Father. That the world around us should see that same joy in each and every one of us. We also see this joy because God is a, He's a good Father. I think this joy is something that we as parents understand very well. As parents, we love to see our kids healthy and happy and just doing well. Just full of joy. And as a matter of fact, as parents, will we not go out of our way to sacrifice 
to help our children feel that happiness and joy. You see it in gift giving, right? As parents, we will give gifts to our children because we want to see, we want to experience that joy in them. That's, that's, why, that's why a holiday, like say a birthday, that's why it's so important sometimes. We don't understand it as kids, but, but as adults it's so important to keep those presents secret and to surprise us because they want to see the joy in our kids' faces. We want to see that surprise. We want to enjoy that moment with you. And nothing makes a parent feel worse than when their child is hurting, when their child isn't happy, when their child isn't filled with joy and there's seemingly nothing that we can do about it. Now, if God, if God is a good Heavenly Father as He is, He knows how to give gifts better than even we do. We think we're good gift givers here on earth. But the gifts He's given to us, our gifts are nothing in comparison to His. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? God is absolutely invested in our joy. That's why He treats us better than even those that we say we love the most here on earth. God wants us to be filled with joy because He is filled with joy. That's truth. So if that's truth, then why is this a lie? We say it's a lie that Satan said God just wants you to be happy. What makes this a lie, what makes this deceptive, is this is not a moment where Satan is going to slip up beside your eye and say, hey, you know what? God wants you to be filled with joy because God is a God of joy and, and, and He wants you to know that you can have joy in this life. And more importantly, you can look forward to the joy of life everlasting. That's not what He's going to say. But in moments where we have a little bit of personal conflict, and that conflict is, we want to do something that we know isn't right. We want to do something that we know God wouldn't want us to do. And we find ourselves with a little tug of war making a choice between what we want and what we know is right. Those are the moments Satan whispers really quickly. Hey, it's okay. God just wants you to be happy. It happens to all of us. Maybe it's the moments where you find yourself pulled because you know you've made a commitment to go somewhere to help somebody, do some good for somebody. Ah, but then you could find out that, man, you could be hanging out with your friends and you could just cancel last minute and, and go hang out with your friends and that's something you'd rather do. And you're kind of torn between those two things. And it's in that moment that Satan says, hey, listen, God just wants you to be happy. Or, or maybe you're in a marriage that you feel like is absolutely dead. But you've got this coworker that you just absolutely love. And this coworker, this coworker brings you life. And you love being around this coworker so much. And that's when Satan slips up and he says, Hey, listen, God just wants you to be happy. Or, or maybe it's those moments where we decide to not even give back from our leftovers anymore back to God. We're not going to give from the financial blessings the way we should be, let alone talking about giving from the top or giving generously. Like we're barely giving leftovers, but we make a decision. 
man, you know what? We'd love to remodel the house and buy all new furniture for the house. But to do that, man, we've got to cut out our contribution. And in those moments, Satan says, hey, it's okay. God just wants you to be happy. See how it works? Can you hear the deception? Do you hear the lie? Do you understand how common it is for all of us to be fooled by Satan? Look, even more than being happy by our standard or by the world's standard, what God desires more is that we do what's right. Not right by the world's standards, not right by our own standards. God wants to make sure that we're doing what's right based on His standards and His standards alone. There were believers uh, there in the church in Corinth that were really taking issue with one another. Things were happening amongst them that were causing them to take one another to court over these issues. And that is not something that God wants His people doing. And so when Paul got wind of this, uh, Paul begins to admonish them, saying, listen, what you need to be doing is seeking out wise counsel within the church. You need to let them make these decisions. You don't need to be taking it to the world. You need to seek godly advice who will make decisions based on God's will, not the will or the standards or the law of man. And so as, as Paul is writing to them, he writes these words, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the first century church? Church of Corinth is being read this letter for the very first time. They're the ones that actively have this ongoing problem of suing one another. And they hear the words of the Apostle Paul being read. And he says, why not just rather suffer wrong? Why not rather just be defrauded? I would imagine they heard it in this ear. (laughs) But I'd also imagine over in this ear there was another voice. A voice saying, why not? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Who does that? Nobody. You want to know why not? Because it's going to cost you. You want to know why not? Because it's going to hurt if you let it go. You want to know why not? Because nobody in the world would handle it this way. You you want to know why not? You're not going to be happy if you do. And God just wants you to be happy. What Paul is saying here is absolutely ridiculous. God just wants you to be happy. He, He just wants you to get yours. So you do whatever you need to do to get however much you can get. You do what you need to do to to win by any means necessary because it's yours. And God just wants you to be happy. The Apostle Paul would continue writing and he, he wouldn't hold any punches. He wouldn't hold any punches as he began to describe that if they continued in their ways, which was basically choosing what they wanted to do over that which God says to do, that if they continue to do that, then they would not inherit the kingdom of God. They would not inherit that which provides perfect peace, unending joy, 
absolute love. They will not inherit that which provides the very promise and hope of eternal life. He would go on to write, beginning of verse 8, but you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. There are those words again. Don't be fooled. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. I know that's not easy to hear. I know that that's not an easy reality for us to face. But the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wants to make sure that our eyes and our ears are open to this reality. And that we make sure we understand how dangerous it is whenever we decide to put our our own happiness, our own wants and desires above the very will of God. That we understand what we are willing to risk. That we are saying what we're willing to risk is heaven. Life everlasting. That which is eternal. The trade-off for that which is temporary. Say, but Blake, I don't get it. I just don't understand what the big deal is. I I don't understand... What, why does it matter if I do these things? I just want to be happy. These things, they make me happy. I think it's important to know that sometimes we may not know everything. Sometimes we may not always understand all the whys and the why nots when it comes to the will of God, but we should be able to trust God enough. Trust God enough to know that, that the God who loved us enough to allow His Son to die for us, that He's going to know what's best for us. That we understand that He knows what's best for our will and for our life here on earth as well as life everlasting. And that He understands that. And so He's put these, he's put these barriers in place to protect us. And until our head and our heart finally begins to believe that we serve a God who loves us and cares about us even more than we love and care about ourselves, we will probably continue to be fooled over and over and over again by Satan. Now there's another lie that Satan usually likes to tell around this time. He likes to say, you know what? You'll never change. You've lived the life you've lived. You've made the decisions you've made. You've made choices that you've made. You're not going to be any different. Who you are right now is who you'll always be. Even if you want to change, let's face it, you can't. So why try? And we start to listen to that too. And we start to feel very defeated by that lie. And we start to believe that, you know what? 
I have made some pretty serious mistakes in my life. I have made some pretty bad choices. I have messed up in some pretty big ways. I'll never be able to be any different. But church, I know that's not true. I know that's not true because of what Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, continued to write in the very next verse, verse 11. He said, and such were some of you. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. They were. They were sexually immoral. They were idolaters. They were adulterers. They were homosexuals. They were thieves. They were greedy. They were drunks. They were revilers. They were swindlers. That is who they were. That was not who they are. It was a part of their past. And thanks be to the blood of Jesus Christ, they were washed. They were justified. They were sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus. In baptism, baptism is an amazingly wonderful thing because in that moment, we are made right through the blood of Jesus. In baptism, it's an amazing thing because in that moment, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who then compels us and strengthens us and helps us to live the life going forward that God would want us to live. Does that mean that we'll never be fooled by Satan again? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. All of us continue to be fooled by Satan. Oftentimes, more than what we would like to admit to ourselves and certainly to anyone else. But here's the beauty of it. As a child of God's who've been washed and who's been justified, when God looks at us and our current mistakes, He doesn't see us for who we are. He doesn't see us through those past mistakes. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. He sees us as those striving to walk in the light. He sees us not for us, but as those who have put on Jesus Christ. Those who have clothed themselves with Christ. That's how He sees us. And thank God for it. But it's not just about saying no to the things that God forbids. It's also about saying yes to the things He commands. Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 28, Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. it. Jesus knew this to be true. Hopefully we know this is true. You know who else knows this statement is true? Satan. And that's why Satan will come along and he'll twist the truth. Sometimes he likes those out-and-out bold lies, but other times he likes to just kind of twist it just a little bit, just enough to confuse us. Satan comes along and he says, yeah, blessed are those who hear the Word of God. But stop there. Sure, blessed are those who will read their Bible. But stop there. Hey, blessed are those who come to worship occasionally, maybe even to Bible class. But stop there. That's not where Jesus said to stop. He said, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. Obey it. Follow it. Live for it. You want to know how good Satan is at twisting the truth? It did not take very long for him to begin twisting this truth. Because by the time you go back 
James is already having to write to the church in Jerusalem there in the first century. They are obviously already struggling with this. James 1 and verse 22, AJ read this for us just a few, mo- few moments ago. Be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. If you take the Word of God and all you do is hear it, but you don't obey it, you're just deceiving yourselves. You're allowing Satan to deceive you by not actively living out what the Word of God says. Now listen, you, you can be really good at saying no to the things God forbids. And when you're, you know, you're really effective at saying no to the things God forbids, that typically equates to you being a pretty nice moral person. But it doesn't mean you're probably going to be filled with joy. Being blessed, being filled with joy, that comes when one begins to finally keep the will and the Word of God. So I ask us this morning, are we doing this? Are we striving to not only hear the Word of God, but to the very best of our abilities, live it out in our life from day to day? Understanding that 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 is what will produce joy, not only for us as individuals, but that also brings, oh, that brings God great joy too. And he looks down and he sees his children living an obedient, surrendered life. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ. Maybe you have never been washed. I want you to know that today is your day. Today is your opportunity to do just that. If you're ready to surrender your life and to give your life to the Lord, that is where all of this begins. This relationship with the Lord begins. And at that point, you will receive forgiveness of sins and a joy. A joy like nothing else. A joy that comes from knowing that you have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. A joy that comes when you know you now have the hope of life everlasting. A joy that is eternal, that that nothing of this earth could ever come close to providing. That joy is yours when you enter into this relationship with God. But then like any relationship, church, we have to continue in it. And we have to continue to be faithful, as Jesus would say, until, until death. <laughs> For that's when that great reward will be ours. But so often, our faithfulness or our lack thereof has developed because we have been faced with far too many choices, far too many decisions, where we made the wrong choice based on the lie. But hey, God just wants you to be happy. And we listen. And we follow a very dangerous and destructive path. God wants you to have joy in this life and in life to come. God wants you to even be happy. But above all, I want you to obey. Happiness and joy, I don't know that they're exactly the same. Happiness tends to carry a, a temporary feeling. But joy, 
Nobody can rob you of your joy. You can give it away, but nobody can rob you of it. Maybe you're here today and you just need that joy of the Lord to strengthen you. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's for the first time in a long time. I, I don't know, but, but you do. And if we can help you with that in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?